0: Hey, I'm Dre Matteo. I played Adriana LaServa on The Sopranos. You are listening to Pada Bing. <laughs> I like that.
1: I'm Vic Singh, and you're listening to Pada Bing, a podcast that rigorously examines The Sopranos, one episode at a time. Please remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this right now. If you love the podcast, this project, and what it's all about, please spread the word. Share this episode or your favorite one with one new person. That's all it takes. You can follow us on all the socials at Pot of Bing, and if you're up for it, you can support the show by visiting glowfm potabing. to play in the next trivia show for a chance to win swag, guests on the pod, or just secure permanent bragging rights. DM at of Bing on Instagram. Finally, as always, thank you for listening and being part of this journey. Coming up is a conversation I had with Drea De Mateo. Drea played Adriana La Serva on the show. Now there's a name you can say over and over again, and it never gets old. Drea invited me to her home, not far from the studio, for a conversation about her Sopranos experience, and then some. Her cute little dog also chimed in every now and then for affirmation on certain points. He also crawled up right next to me for warmth, like Cosette. Don't worry, he's safe. Adriana Serva is a legend, an iconic character, visually, vocally, and in terms of how she shaped the landscape and arc of The Sopranos' story. And then there's Adriana and Christopher. You can say those two words Anywhere, And people know. They go together like peanut butter and jelly. Like Rocky and Adrian. We got emotional. We shared laughs. And we enjoyed it so much that we're going to do a part two next year. Very much looking forward to that. And really excited to share this conversation with you now. Hope everybody has a great holiday season. Hope that Charlie Brown Christmas soundtrack is playing early and often in all your homes. Here's Drea. Drea, thanks for doing this and for inviting me here to your beautiful home.
0: Oh, well, it's nice to have you here, Mom. I know it was hard to chase me down. You're gonna have a hard time with me. I don't remember anything.
1: Well, the cool thing about this project has been, I watched it you know, on my couch for all those years. I've rewatched the show many times over. Uh, it doesn't matter what you remember. The bottom line is you were there. So there's something that you're going to say that's going to illuminate my day and is going to illuminate all of the listeners that are going to hear this. So again, thank you for doing it. It is surreal. I've done 77 of these interviews now with the cast, writers, crew, Directors and everyone is as surreal as the last. So thank you.
0: Well, right on, man.
1: So, how did The Sopranos happen for you? What's the backstory?
0: I had originally been called in to audition for the pilot. Um, no one knew the show would be anything yet. And David Chase had me read for every single female part um, that was, you know, a young lady. Like there was a, a, a girlfriend role for Michael, um, there was his Russian Gumar. Mm. There was... You read for that? I read for a bunch of You read of for Arena? Yeah, I huh. read for everything because he didn't fe- feel as though I fit into any Italian part of Interesting. the show. Because I went in there with my hair pulled back in a ponytail, no makeup, um, a clean slate. That's what they would tell us young actors, to just be a clean slate. I didn't know what the show was about. I knew it was called The Sopranos. In my mind, it was about some singers, an opera. Like an, I had no idea. We hadn't seen scripts or anything. So when I got there and saw what it all was, I, you know, I had spent my whole life getting out of that world, being a girl from Queens mm. and from an Italian American family. Um, I spent years getting rid of the a- Queens accent. I spent years polishing myself. And now all of a sudden here I am in this thing, how ironic. I'm like, how the hell do I bring this character to life? They only had a couple of lines each. But anyway, David Shea said to me, you know, you're very Connecticut. Um, Very Connecticut. I, yeah, that, well, that, that was the word he used. He would never remember this. He said, "You can play the stuck-up Connecticut-like waitress, um, hostess in the restaurant who won't give the Italians a table, kind of thing." So she's. I played some snooty girl in the restaurant. Now, when I did that part, if you ever see me, that's why they made Adriana a hostess in a restaurant mm. because in the pilot I'm a different character, right. and my hair is pulled back in a ponytail. I am so scared. I was so fucking nervous, I couldn't say my line. That must have taken 40 takes for the day player to say their line. Um, Nobody knew who James Gandolfini was yet, but everyone knew who Lorraine Bracco was. Of course. And I was like, all I could think in my mind was, Karen! You know what I mean? The only image I had of her when she would come you know, we would have to hit, hit our marks for the scene, was her shoving that gun in her panties. That's the only thing I was thinking about. You know what I mean? I was like, I can't look at you right now because I only see you shoving that gun in your panties. Lorraine, you sexy lady. It's
1: crazy, though, that you as a day player on a show, you don't really know much about what it's going to be you end up standing across the room from Lorraine Bracco. That in and of itself is a oh, fucking it was, huge win.
0: Yeah, it was huge for me. I, was, I loved her I, and I loved Goodfellas. It was my favorite movie. Yeah. Mean Streets before that was my number one favorite movie. So then yeah. when Goodfellas came out, it was like Mean Streets on crack, you yeah. know what I mean? So now I'm on this show and- um,
1: You do the pilot, you are the hostess. How is Adriana LaServa born?
0: They called me in. for Now the show is picked up as a series. I remember my mom and mom and I reading it. My mom's a writer. She teaches playwriting at HB years ago. And we read the pilot and we looked at it and we said, wow, this is beautiful writing. This is genius writing. This, this is a show that will never see the light of day. That's what we said. Because
1: it's just too smart.
0: It was, yeah, it was so smart. It was so, it was so, all the symbolism and the ducks and the, it was so intellectual. It was so amazing and literary and all these things, you know um I didn't see it as a mafia show at all. I mm. saw it b- way beyond the, the the gunshots. So so then they called me in for the series and I'll never forget I was at my grandmother's house in Queens. She was making chicken cutlet parmesan. We were all sitting around the table and I get a phone call saying we need you to come audition for the Sopranos series right now. I said right now? What is the fucking urgency? I was like First of all, I'm at my grandmother's house in Queens, so I'm not moving, you know. They said, perfect, we're in Queens at Silver Cup Studios. Please be here in the next 25 minutes or some shit. My parents look at me and they're like, let's do this. My mom goes in the safe, takes out my nameplate and diamonds with a rope chain from my confirmation. My name's Andrea, which Mm -hmm. looks like Adriana. And she goes, put this on and recall all of the lessons that you learned to lose that accent and you bring that fucking accent back and bring it back hardcore. They drove me to the audition and it was for one line. It was for Christopher's girlfriend standing in line at a nightclub and her feet hurt and she's saying ow Mm. or something. Mm. So I remember Eileen Landris was one of the producers. She always would joke around about how I got the part just by turning ow into 10 syllables. My mom said to me, say ow like Sylvana, my neighbor, because mm. um, she would have not said ow. She would have said, ow, Ugh. like that. Yeah. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And I was like, okay. So I did that, and I got the part. And it was a day player part. It was just a part of Christopher. Dan, then, then
1: you're very humble about that. I'm going to cut you off there because you've mentioned that before, and I've read a bunch of stuff that you've said in the past about it. Before we talk about Adriana, though, you studied directing. How did that turn to acting?
0: Uh, truthfully, I mean, I, I went to film school. I did go to NYU film school. Um, I was the anti-theater person because I grew up in the theater, with yeah. my mom. So I went into like weird, experimental, strange 16 millimeter film world. And then um, I never had my projects done on time because I was also bartending through school. So I would have to put myself in every um, movie that I was shooting for my, for my, senior, you know, for my, for my classes. So I would have to set the timer on my camera and get in front of the camera and act and edit myself. It was just me, 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 me. Yeah. And then eventually everyone was just like, but Jerry, why don't you just act? Yeah. It's easier for you. Like, you can't get it together. <laughs> you can't get a cast together. You can't light this shit. You can't take parts. a light meter reading. You have a hard time editing. Like, what? And I loved editing. That was my favorite thing to do, actually. But um, but it's okay. See, um, But it became like a whole thing. So... I started Is directing thinking, something that you want to do? Yeah, it was.
1: No, but now. Um, or has that ship sailed? Blanky. As Johnny Sack would say.
0: Um, I think now that I'm getting older and my face is starting to fall to the ground, it seems like the, the right next step because I'm not one of these people to keep up with appearances here in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm only living in Hollywood because the New York house burned down. Otherwise, I would be back east. So, yeah. Wait a
1: minute. Your New York house burned down? Oh, yeah. What happened?
0: Four years ago, there was a gas explosion on my street and three buildings fell down. No it was way. foul play. Yeah. There's a big lawsuit going on right now about it.
1: Crazy. In the city?
0: In Manhattan. Wow. Off of St. Mark's.
1: And now there's fires over here too. You just can't escape fires, no matter where you go.
0: No, I have PTSD from it. Ever since that happened, I keep thinking, you know, that anything awful could happen to me.
1: Were you in that? No, nope. but losing
0: everything, and you just never think you're going to be a victim to any of that. Yeah. You know, and then it happens to you. Yeah. I'm sorry, my dog really likes you.
1: When did you know the show was transcendent? Describe the moment you realized, holy fucking shit, I am on the greatest thing. Ever. I'm on the greatest roller coaster ever. Was there a specific moment for you where it clicked and you were just like, Wow? I guess another way I've described it to some other people that I've talked to, was there like a Times Square moment for you where you kind of just realized that this is just bigger than anything you've ever been a part of?
0: I mean it took off fast, man. I mean I was it took off um i don't know well no season one it hadn't aired yet so we were still in the midst of it all but i remember getting episode 12 and seeing i was on almost every page and i flipped the fuck out in my mind i had already achieved the end game because i knew how genius the writing was Mm. because of where i come from i was already a writing snob so reading that shit and being in it it was insane but that moment that you're talking about it happened so fast when the show took off um we blew up so quickly and it went from, it, you know, we couldn't walk through the airport. There were things like that. You know, I remember like whenever we'd go to the awards and stuff, like we would have escorts in the airport. That was weird for us all. Like none mm-hmm. of us understood what the fuck that meant. Um, a golf cart taking us everywhere. Because people ever to- would freak out.
1: Michael mentioned he was at a fight. He went to a we fight. We were invited
0: to everything.
1: Yeah. But the two headliners in the ring, the whole arena shut down out that the sopranos really yes, there. yeah,
0: it was nuts. It was like that yeah. it was I, I mean, I'm a rock and roll person. I didn't really stick to the I didn't go to a lot of the events we were invited to. I stayed away from a lot of stuff. but like when the Almond Brothers wanted us at their show and wanted us to sit on the stage, and their theme song to walk out to is the Sopranos theme song, yeah. and we're sitting on stage with them, that, to me, was like a big fucking moment. Sure. Getting invited to Julian Schnabel's um, house and meeting Lou Reed and David Bowie, like holy shit. Incredible. Like, I were they fans? Um, Schnabel was. Okay. He was a huge fan. He would show up at photo shoots because he would live in the neighborhood. He'd come there in his pajamas and shit, yeah. you know. And I was a huge art fan. Like, you know, I grew up in, in New York. Yeah. All of the, Lou Reed, like, I, it was insane for me. Did you have a
1: conversation with Lou Reed about The Sopranos? Did he watch it?
0: I had went to a dinner with him one night with a, with a bunch of people for some magazine party, and I don't know that he watched the show, but I remember sitting across from him and just. I don't remember it. I, don't I was going to say that I don't remember be... any of it because yeah. I, I'm such an in-the-moment person yeah. that, sure, that it sure. explodes for me after and I don't know what the fuck just happened.
1: And you're in the shuttle of it. You're on the roller coaster. You're strapped in. And you come out at the other end of it. Like you might pick a few memories here. I'm gonna try to get at some of the oh, memories. Oh, you know what a
0: quiet moment was that I do remember yeah. because it stuck because it's framed all over my parents' house when I was in the New York Times crossword puzzle. Oh uh, that was a big one. That's man. so cool. That was a big one, and it would happen repeatedly. So it was like part of me. You know, the humble part of me was like, well, they put it in there because it's hard and no one's gonna know the answer. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I'm not that well known. was it the, the spelling other of, it of your was, full name? Yeah, uh, no, I think it was just Adrea. Okay.
1: They just recently had, I do the Crossword Puzzle NYT on my phone, they recently just had members was the clue, and the answer was only. Uh, Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one.
0: one. Uh Uh-huh. And the pinball machine. I mean, you have a fucking, I have a pinball machine. Oh, you have the Soprano one? Of course. It, to have a pinball machine with your face on it. Yeah. That's no fucking joke, That is man. no fucking joke. You know what I mean? That's, that's, where, Rock- that's where I'm not humble. That's where I'm like, fuck you. I got a pinball machine with my face on it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> for sure. We talked about Rocky off mic. Like The, oh the Rocky pinball machines are still oh, classic and iconic. Oh, I And
0: I'm a pinball machine junkie, so that was, a big, that was big for me.
1: The look of Adriana, her details head to toe. How long did it take on average to become AID?
0: I, um, I had a thing back then with my acting. I, was, I took myself extremely seriously because I was young and new and just starting out. And I didn't know much about acting. I would say that Michael taught me how to act, by the way, Imperioli. But um, the nails, I had to, you know, Edie would, would have hers put on the day of, press-ons. I had a thing where I had to live with those nails every day. So they were done, and I would sit in a manicurist's chair for hours on end and have them done really, really long. Because when I was a kid growing up in Queens, that was a sign of, like, kind of status and and beauty and stuff like that. So I knew I had to have an element of that in my life, playing that character on a regular basis. So Mm. the nails were mine. They Mm. were big, long, fake nails. They were yours. They were acrylic nails that I had done every week before shooting.
1: So it wasn't part of the costume design?
0: It was, but they would have just pressed them on me. Oh, I see what you're saying. I didn't want anything fake. Got it. I wanted it to be real. Got I wanted it. everything to feel authentic and real. Um, I could not speak in the accent without my shoes on or without my hair done. It had to be one or the other. Like you couldn't, they, when they would have me getting that out of the shower, switch. they had scenes where I was with wet hair and no shoes on, I would, I would have anxiety because I knew I wouldn't be able to talk like this. Yeah. It was crazy for me. So the accent was really tied into the the costume.
1: It was the trigger that got you into the zone. Yeah, big time. Did it take multiple hours to get the look? They, the hair? they
0: didn't need to take as many hours as they did, but it, they did. It, you know, in the beginning, no. In the beginning, it's all my hair. Okay. Um, but then as the show progressed and got bigger, and her look became bigger, and Christopher
1: gets made. She climbs up the social ladder. Yeah, it's all ladder. fake
0: hair now. Yeah. It's like you know, everything got bigger. The costumes were. The costume designer's favorite, I was her favorite to dress, God knows.
1: After Livia dies, the family gathers in the Soprano living room to share memories, and it devolves into a shit show. There is a mysterious man who comes down the stairs while this is going on, but then turns around and goes back up the stairs. I keep forgetting to ask people who were in that room You were in that room, and I can ask the question, who was that man that comes down the stairs and then goes back up?
0: I have no idea what you're talking about. Was the episode, in the episode of Michael and I sitting on a couch? Yes. and we giggling?
1: He's giggling. He's out of his mind. I can tell
0: you something else about that episode. Please. We thought it would be smart to smoke weed for real before we shot that scene because we're stoned. Our characters are stoned. Yeah. So they put red shit in our eyes to make us look stoned, but we really smoked pot. We swore we would never fucking smoke pot again. We were so flipped out. We flipped the fuck out of paranoia being on that bright fucking set mm. with everybody there. I mean, we used to drink. We used to party. We had a crazy time. Drinking, you know, during dinner scenes was one thing, and we would all get a little buzzed, but smoking fucking weed big no-no. We so were the take sh- we, we were see, baked. You were baked. Baked. Love it. <laughs> But no idea who that man was. No idea
1: who that man was. There's a part of me that thinks it was David Chase. There's a part of me he wouldn't do that.
0: Though. But was that a thing? Was it like meant to, to give a message? Was there a symbol? Well, in it? it was.
1: It was. Uh, it was. Everybody was reminiscing about a dead person, right? And there's this like, you know, Mysterious conjuring movie. of a medium of some kind or something. You know, um, I haven't
0: seen the show since it aired. Really? I used to watch it every Sunday like a fan. I was yeah. a big fan.
1: But you haven't watched it since. Nope. Is some of that because of James?
0: No. I just never, you know, I, my life took, took on its You've own shape. You've gone in so many different and, directions, yeah. And I never had time. We didn't have binge-watching back then. It yeah. would be a DVD situation. And I just haven't sat down. But everybody I know is, is watching it. Like, it doesn't end. You it know, not go away. It doesn't go away. I've been, I, I escaped the stereotype for a while. People stopped um, you know, trying to say she can only do this, she can only play Adriana. It completely stopped, and I was able to work for many years. Mm-hmm. Do you know that this year, it came back like a ton of bricks? Because the show must be airing, or everyone must be watching it, where they're saying she can't play anything but Adriana. I'm like, Adriana was a 26-year-old woman. I am fucking 47 now. Mm-hmm. Do you understand the, the, the amount of time that's gone by that the you're of life still that's been lived. seeing me as this character? It's, it's, it's mind-blowing to Does me. that upset you? No, because I would rather play characters like Adriana for the rest of my life. Like if I could find another role where I'm p- playing a girl from a borough or someone who's that insecure, or that vulnerable, all of those things, I'd be so fucking happy. Back then, I didn't want to be stereotyped because sure. I took myself seriously. Of course, of course. I don't take myself seriously anymore. You know what I mean? But I also see the value in playing a role like that. It's meaty. It was great. Mm. And I love the accent.
1: Yeah, I'm going to ask you about that. Adriana's final moments— I read somewhere that you didn't know how it was going to play out until you saw the finished episode.
0: Yeah, all of us. What's that all about? So I went to David Chase on, I remember in season five, I went to him and I said, hey, you know, I have an opportunity to direct a movie. And this is when I was starting to think about getting back into it. I said, I want to know where this is going with the FBI. Um, Will I have a chance to finish it or start it It was one of those questions? These are not the kind of questions you want to ask David Chase in the middle of his show. You asked him. But any other creator you could probably ask, but not David Chase. (laughs) I should have known (laughs) that. Shit, the goddamn (laughs) door. Sorry. Just fine. That's what happens when you're at my house.
1: Podcasting in the wild.
0: No, you want to keep it. You got to keep all the nuances of Of the house, man.
1: What's your dog's name so the listeners know?
0: Blanky. Don't ask. Kids. You got kids, right? Yeah, yeah. Of yeah. Course. Blanket. His name was Blanket originally. Nice. Um, okay, so I asked David Chase. He said, uh, let me get back to you. I'll never forget. I think it was, I don't know what episode it was. You would know because you're an expert. This The episode where I get into the car accident with David, uh, with, with with Jim. Yeah. Where I get into the car accident and I'm wearing a neck brace. Right. I think in the, the I don't know if there's an ambulance. I don't know what the hell happens. But I'm wearing this neck brace, and he comes to set, and he says, sit down. And we sit on a curb. Now, when he tells people they're getting written off the show, it's a meeting in his office. Mm-hmm. Not for me. And I was one of his favorites. I, was, I felt sad about it a little bit. Sit down on the curb. I sat down on the curb next to him, and he said to me, um, I don't know what's going to happen, but it does look like this is the end of the road for you. Um, he said, but we're going to shoot it two ways. And we're going to shoot it where you get away and you escape and you're in your car and you're driving away. And we're going to shoot it where where your your life is over kind of thing, where you die. No one's ever really going to see or know what's happening. Um, now, there's speculation about why they would shoot it two ways. I don't remember if he told me this if or they've done this before on the show, but this was a huge storyline yes. in the press and stuff, so... They said they were going to shoot it two ways because there were so many leaks on set by Mm. people that actually worked on the set. And the show was so precious and such a big deal that they were going to shoot it two ways so that nobody on set had a fucking clue. So nobody could leak anything. It could be it could go either way. Um, And that's exactly what he did.
1: Did you cry when he told you? Did you take it on the chin?
0: I took it on the chin. I think I was crying in the scene, anyways, because I had to be emotional in that scene.
1: Legendary crier in general. That I,
0: I was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, by the end of that season, when he told me it was over, there was a little piece of me that was relaxed about it, because I knew that I couldn't, I couldn't um, continue doing what I was doing to myself to play the role. Oh. Because I took it, like I said, really seriously. Really seriously. I mean, it's, and, like, um, it's an
1: iconic, legendary character. And you can tell you, there was a lot of moving parts that went into making her. Yeah, I didn't fake.
0: Was. I didn't dial anything in on that show. No. Like I was there. You brought that shit. Yeah. I just
1: watched uh, Long Term Parking today before coming up to see you. I, I And seen I watched, this. Uh, watched you and Michael do your thing. Um,
0: when I confessed to him, that was my he, favorite When he strangles team. you,
1: you come back to him. And man. I started crying.
0: I know. You
1: went right back to him after that. And I was like, wow, I, I hadn't seen that episode. We're she still working through victim. season four right now. She, she was the uh,
0: innocence on the show.
1: Yes, 100%. She was the innocence.
0: And the minute that got killed off, man, you, you really questioned everybody's integrity all of a sudden.
1: I also read that the FBI footage of Adriana throwing away the evidence required a shit ton of takes. Any reason why? It was... Like B-roll almost that the feds are looking at. They're watching a screen oh, of yeah. you throwing something in a trash can. And you said that it took forever and they wanted it to be a certain way. Do you remember that anything from that? That
0: always happens. I don't remember talking about it, but just from experience in a million other projects, shit like that is always, there, there are always moments like that. The
1: devil's in the details?
0: Yeah, you just they're just not getting something right. There was nothing specific no about No
1: explanation. It, just do it again.
0: Yeah, always. Okay. Were we shooting on film actually? Yeah, Yeah. we were still shooting on film back then.
1: When Tony calls aid to tell her Christopher tried to kill himself, did you guys, meaning you and Jim, did you guys actually talk to each other or did you read each other those lines or was there a stand-in? I'm asking about that particular scene because it's extremely powerful and it seals your fate.
0: Here's you know something I don't remember. I don't think Jim was there for that. Okay. I doubt it. We would never be there for phone call conversations. Okay.
1: I just thought that was like a significant one. And the only reason that question came out of me is because I talked to the actor Oksana Lada, who played Irina. Mm-hmm. And I asked her about the conversation that her character has with Carmela in Whitecaps about you know, where do you think you are on the pecking order? Right. My one-legged cousin has been sleeping with your husband, and then there's me. And she said, no, some guy. I had a guy reading me the lines on the phone, and I was like, wow, that's a little, like, the tinsel town that takes away the... Right.
0: The- <clears throat> yeah, I can tell you something about that, where I went to David Chase, and then, and then Michael and Stevie, we all campaigned for this together and stood together on something. He makes that phone call to me, and um, the next scene... Oh, before he makes the phone call, there was a scene in that episode that we begged to have taken out, which was Christopher going to to Jim, to Tony, and saying, and it's in the laundry room, which you'll see that scene next season. As a flashback. As a flashback. Yeah. That was in the original episode that Mm. I die in, Mm. where he tells her she's a rat, she's a rat, and he goes, I'll handle it, and then he calls me. So then you know. Now the show's over. Right, You know what that whole car ride is. Oh, it
1: makes sense. So I much beg- better. The way- I begged
0: David to get rid of it.
1: Really? So he was going to keep it in?
0: I don't know what he was going to do, but, but you- I, I just knew that I re- it was important to me. I went to Michael separately. I, then I went to Stevie, and I was like, I need all of you to help me just drive this point home. I think we went to a couple of the, the directors and the writers, and then we went to David.
1: Okay. You were smart. You built a coalition. I've heard stories about people going into David's room without... Uh, Actually, uh, David Proval, uh, Richie April, your uh, character's uncle, he had a thing about a scene he didn't want to do. And uh, James Gandolfini, he said it on the podcast that James Gandolfini said, don't go in the room. And he went in the room and then...
0: But this was such a... This was, this was all heart. Yeah. Like, this is not, like, I don't approve or this... To me, The Sopranos is the best show that ever fucking was. David Chase is the most brilliant mind that I've ever fucking been near in my life. Still like, to this day. Oh, my God. He's my godfather. That's okay. the way I see it. I adore David Chase. I mean, I, he's he gave me my life, you know? He, he he plays such an important part in my life. I can't, I can't even explain it. But... Um, yeah, so me approaching him about that was was for us. It was for all of us. It was for the show. It wasn't some... I didn't have an agenda, you know what I mean?
1: Did he say anything to you there, like yes or no, or did he just say... I don't remember I don't the remember.
0: conversation, okay. to be honest with you. I just remember that when I read that scene, I was very bummed out about it because I felt like my death was going to be anticlimactic. Yeah, I wanted there to be a lot of tension building up to it and then a release.
1: And there was, and it was amazing. Yeah, And I watched it today again, and I've seen the show probably more than 20 times, and it legendarily holds up.
0: Yeah, it's so good. It's and like I you just watched they, it yesterday. That scene where you, where where I'm in the car with Silvio, he you see me imagining getting away. Yes. So they use the footage from both.
1: Yeah, I have a question about that. You made a statement about it in the past. I'm going to see if it's changed. Before we see you in the car with Silvio, there are a few shots of you driving the Thunderbird, with the suitcase in the passenger seat. You said before that you're not really sure what to make of that scene. Has anything changed now? What do you make of that scene?
0: Well, I knew he was shooting it two ways, yeah. and he just ended up using the footage from both from both scenarios, he used the footage of me getting away. Imagining getting away, that could have been. So me she's daydreaming getting away. in the car
1: with Silvio that she's. It getting It turned away.
0: into a daydream, but when we shot it, I thought we were shooting a reality of me getting away because gotcha. we were shooting alternative scene, gotcha. alternative ending. Makes sense.
1: You didn't know which way he was going to go because no. that would be. Part but he
0: of might have course. already known in his mind the entire time. Of course, and I wouldn't be surprised if he did because that's David Chase. You know what I mean. Only he knows the answers to these questions. I know this is.
1: In in my interview with Michael, on at least four different occasions, he said, "You're going to have to ask David that." Yeah. So I get that a lot. Hopefully, I can graduate there.
0: You'd have to even ask David about that scene that we begged um, to be moved or taken out. Yeah, because I don't remember. I don't even remember. I'm sure
1: he'll remember you coming to him.
0: I don't. I don't remember going to him. I just remember that it was such a big deal for me.
1: You were under contract to appear in season six. Was it always flashbacks or dream sequences? Or was there some discussion about leaving the door open for you? Is there any th- can you give any context to that?
0: Do you know what they told me? That they were going to pay me to keep my mouth shut.
1: <laughs> Are you joking? or? I swear to God. I see.
0: They, were, they paid me more in season six than they paid me the entire time I was on the show for those flashback episodes. And the deal was don't take another job so that nobody knows that you die on the show. That's what they told me.
1: Incredible.
0: Mm -hmm. But that they were going to use me in flashbacks too. Of course, but like it's basically basically a do not compete clause kind of a thing. I ended up taking another fucking job and the press got out and it was a whole big fucking thing. And I get a phone call from David Chase saying, I don't know what to say, but everybody is now going to know that you're dying on the show because there's news that you're doing the new Friends spinoff. So I was mortified. I didn't know how the press got out. It wasn't supposed to. It was all over the fucking place. So I don't do talk shows ever. I booked every talk show I could do to tell everybody that, no, I'm fucking totally, I'm not dying on The Sopranos. You think that they would actually kill me? How many episodes
1: of season five had aired at this point? Do you have any recollection?
0: I don't because we were shooting when he told me. And I don't remember how, The there, was such, there were such huge gaps. You know, like David took two years to write sometimes. Yeah. we would Sometimes we wouldn't, you know, we'd have a two year hiatus. Yeah. So I don't really even know. I think David knew that he could take his time. I think he d- took his time. Genius doesn't fucking come out. You can't rush
1: genius. Hell no. No, yeah.
0: You know, he'd go to France and write for a while and yeah. then come back and have a show.
1: He had the chateau in France then too?
0: I think towards, towards the end. I mean, they yeah. started getting paid. He and Jim started getting paid pretty fast. We
1: joke on the podcast that season four, there's a lot of references in the show about tax schemes, hiding money. It's no secret. The writers write from experience, right? They're trying to find ways to hide all this newfound money that they made in season four. Oh, I don't know. Because the show is at the prime of its, sort of like at the pinnacle of its apex during season four. It had the highest ratings
0: I want to hear you. I want to interview you on the show, actually. I want to know all of the information you know about the show. I
1: know a lot. You I should write a book. Crazy shit. And it is partially because of the conversations that I've had like this. Okay. The way Adriana says Christopher. Huh. Where worst. did that come from? It's officially, Drea, the only way to say that word now, by the way. <laughs> I had, when my wife was pregnant with our second son... I floated the notion of naming him Christopher, but only if we could call him- Christopher. Yes. (laughs) Didn't happen, didn't fly. What's the origin of the pronunciation or any early discussions about that? Is there a story there?
0: Yes, I went to David Chase and I said, can I please not say his full name? Can I shorten it to Chrissy? Because sometimes I would call him Chrissy. Yeah, And he would write Christopher, and you, you literally couldn't ad lib or change anything on David's script. So if it was written Christopher, then I had to say Christopher, you know, um, so I couldn't shorten it to Chris or Chrissy or baby or honey or anything. He was adamant that I had to say Christopher and sometimes it would be in the most awkward moments and I had to fucking say it. And that was the way I said it. And I hated it. I hate, I, the, the, it was like hearing nails going down a chalkboard. I felt so uncomfortable fucking saying it. I can't explain it. I don't know why. I have no problem dropping my Rs on like I, you know, you park the car over there, or I even still I feel like I sound like an idiot, but like I'm not doing a good a- a job at the accent. But the Christopher, I f- sound, I felt like my acting, my my, my bullshit meter was going off. Oh. but and everyone loved it. How do you
1: feel about it now? Obviously, you've come to peace with it, but like you haven't you know, watched it since. When I did, you got to watch it. You got to. I'll say it. There's an episode that, in particular where you just say it like you're. <laughs> You're dropping dimes. You oh know, you're god. you're hitting threes from the outside with it. And and when you get the ring, when he gives you the ring and you look at it, Adriana's with her mother, and she says, Oh my god. Christopher. It's three carrots. The guy said you could bring it in, have it sized or whatever, fits loose or in. Christopher. Oh it my is god. legend. I know. I it know. is a legend. It is again, this is this transcends television. It transcends cinema. This is something that 20 fucking years later, I'm sitting in your couch talking to you about it. It is because it is something that is so meticulous and methodical and specific down to the pronunciation of the word of a fucking
0: name. You will make me start to cry thinking about all that shit right it now. It is I incredible. Swear to God.
1: No, the fact that I'm talking <laughs> to you right now is going to make me cry about it. Favorite moment with Christopher?
0: Oh, God almighty. I... I... Every single one, I love Michael so much. I, there are not words for it. Really, seriously, I. I, I mean, he's the reason. I. I. I would say that he's the only reason I did as well as I did on that show. How so? Because I never really acted before. I hadn't been on a. On a. You know. Hitting marks and blocking. What does that mean
1: to hit marks?
0: To know where you have to stand and say your lines and a camera. Like I wasn't, I you know, I came from a theater world. Yeah. As much as I was in film school learning how to direct, I was still learning how to direct like some weird ethereal outer space, outer space kind of vibes. I was not thinking about character that much. I it was a whole different thing, man. I learned how to act from him. So every single moment we had together, we had so much fun together. We, it was like we were brother and sister from other parents. Like we immediately had chemistry, we were buddies immediately. And all, you know, we would all hang out. Like me and his wife and me and my boyfriend at the time, we would always party. And I mean, it was just, we all had such a rapport with each other. It was beyond anything I can explain. And the fact that Michael was my partner on yeah. the show yeah. was. Like, I was being divinely protected, I believe, that from up above when they paired me with him. Because I, would have, I was a very anxious, nervous, shy person when I was starting out. Really, really petrified of everything. Mm. So, being with someone like him who had the same sort of, you know, he was just wired the right way to deal with me.
1: How cool is it that you both got the Emmy for the same episode. Oh my God. That must have been a crazy night. That
0: was one of our best moments, man. Yeah. That night. <laughs> I have a funny story about that night.
1: What happened to your speech? I went back and watched it. What That's speech? how much I researched for the for the episode here.
0: I had no speech. I
1: was preparing to ask you questions because I asked Michael about his- Did he have a speech? He had a really good speech. It was a very eloquent speech. Mine and he, wasn't. And he uh, shouts out uh, Cassavetes, the, oh, the director. Oh, okay. I said, why did you mention him in your Emmy speech? And he like went into this whole thing. What happened to yours? Were you just, was it nerves?
0: First of all, never in a million years would I think I'd win. I also didn't like going to awards. I'm really shy. Yeah. A crazy shy. But you style. were up
1: against heavyweights.
0: Yeah, and I didn't think there was any way that yeah. I was going to win. So I just didn't prepare anything, and I didn't want to be there. I wanted to be there. Like, I would have had f- fear of missing out if I wasn't there. FOMO? But I never wa- yeah, FOMO. But I never wanted to be at any of those award shows. That shit fucking flips me out. Having to get dressed, clean up, look nice, Oh, no interest. I even wore my slip to my dress ba- um backwards by accident. So when I saw the pictures, I was like, "Holy shit, my dress was shining because I put my slip on backwards." Like, I am not in that headspace. Mm. I don't understand that world, but yeah, it feels good to fucking win something. It's fucking incredible. It was a holy shit moment.
1: You said in the past that you were a day player, and again, I also cut you off rudely by saying like you're like being way too hard on yourself. My question for you on that term you turned Adriana into, let's look, I'm gonna say it, you're not gonna say it, but I'm gonna say it. You turned that character into a cultural icon that endures today, you're gonna give everybody else a whole shit ton of credit, which, which is fine, but how do you explain or rationalize going from day player status to Emmy winner? It is something that very few fucking people have done. What do you say to that? What is your reaction to that today?
0: Again, you all start to cry, but um, like I said, David Chase was at the craft service table, and he said, "Your chemistry with Michael is crazy. People think you're a couple." Um, That was that. I mean, it was David. He loved my character. I'd even heard people say that he would say it from time to time that this is one of my favorite characters because it was an unexpected. It was not a series regular. Had he been casting for a series regular role? It would have been Marissa Tomei or Debbie Mazar or Mira Sorvino. Or the girls that are used to playing those mm-hmm. roles. It wouldn't have been some unknown at, this, at that point. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I got, I got really fucking lucky. And I knew, I knew that I was bringing authenticity to her. I knew how devoted I was to that character. I knew I wasn't going to make her a caricature. That was my biggest fear, is that she'd be a caricature. But that's why I didn't want to say Christopher. I felt like it was so over the top. Um, but the humor of that character... She was so fucking funny in her stupidity. I don't want to say she's stupid because you should never say one of your characters is stupid. But she was so um, uned- uneducated and naive and innocent. The kids weren't innocent. The kids weren't naive. Mm. Adriana was the only one. So she became like a symbol, I feel like, on the show of, of purity. That's
1: so why I think the listeners gravitated towards her so much. Men as well as women. Because... In the show, as a watcher, you're looking for any reason you can to like Tony Soprano. Everybody loves Tony Soprano, but you feel guilty about it. And there are very few purity boats that you can cling onto and like ride through the show with. Dr. Melfi's one of them. And then Adrienne is the other. Yeah. It, it is, and that's why it was such an emotional
0: finale. Yeah, she's a child. Um,
1: but it was such a beautiful, I thought, as far as the, the last episode, it was her episode. It was Adriana's episode, Long-Term Parking, in a way. Yeah. And it's one of the few whackings that gets a 50-minute arc,
0: as opposed to... Well, What about Big Pussies? That was a big one. His
1: was a big one, but you knew it was coming for pretty much 12 episodes. We didn't really know it was coming for Adriana, and then you get the chance to see that scene of her driving her car. Is she going to get away? And then he flips on a dime, like true David Chase open ended.
0: Thank God that scene wasn't in there in the laundry yeah. room.
1: Um Soprano aftermath. Any highs or lows?
0: Um a lot of lows for sure.
1: Career, personal?
0: Uh I knew that nothing would ever compare. Um so I it was really hard for me to get back into the swing of things. I said yes to a job that at the time was probably not In retrospect, I would have loved having that job, to to be doing that show with with Matt LeBlanc because I adore him and we had a fucking blast.
1: Can I tell you something? Can I cut you off? I didn't watch that show because-
0: I felt like it was disrespectful to my character.
1: I couldn't let let Adriana go.
0: But it was Adriana, but in comedy. Yeah. It was a continuation just in a different forum, without the heart and without the soul.
1: And that's why it didn't work.
0: Well, it never would have worked if people were looking for Adriana, which yeah. is why I didn't want to do it, yeah. because I knew they would be, and they were looking for Joey. Joey would have still been Joey from yeah. Friends, but I'm not Adriana anymore. Now I'm Gina, his sister. Yeah. And I felt like it was a cheap shot, and I didn't want to do it. My dad and my boyfriend at the time pushed me into doing it and bought this house with that and moved me out here with that, all of these This things. isn't Sopranos money? I didn't make any money on the Sopranos. <laughs>
1: Well, you are, breaking, uh, you are breaking the podcast wave, <laughs> airwaves here.
0: I mean, we made some money, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't... Um, so this is NBC was 13, money. This was NBC at that time. Um, but, you know, now I'm just doing everything I can to stay above water in this fucking house. It's my money pit.
1: Because <laughs> I don't um, work
0: that much. I'm a single mom. So I yeah. say no. This is the other thing about Sopranos. I say no to mostly everything. I can't travel because of my kids. How many um, kids do you have? Two. Two. And I'm a single mom. So, you know, I—it's nothing will ever be as wonderful as The Sopranos. The only show that even slightly felt like it was comparing for me was Breaking Bad when I started watching that.
1: I'm going to say a name. Tell me what comes to mind. Don't think. Just just say. James Gandolfini.
0: (laughs) That was a sigh. The best. Edie Falco perfection.
1: Michael Imperioli. He was my hero. In the DVD commentary you did, you held a special reverence for John Patterson, one of the directors on the show. Can you talk about what collaboration with him in particular meant to you? Do you recall?
0: I don't really remember, but... um there were a few directors on the show that had that I just adored, and he was and he was one of them. He he, lo- we had we loved each other. He reminded me of my dad a lot. Um, there you go. But uh, and Timmy Van Patten, too. But but Patterson was really paternal and and really like a like a cheerleader with us. Like he was just he's just groovy man.
1: <laughs> what did you learn from David
0: Chase? You know, he gave me um, a a compact um, for Christmas one year, a vintage, beautiful mirror compact. And I wrote him a note. I learned something about myself with David Chase. I mean, this is not a, a, a generalization. I remember writing him the note and saying, you know, I'm going to hold on to this mirror and make sure I have it on me every time I go into an office to audition for another job once leaving here. And know that no matter what the fuck any of these people say to me and put me down and reject me, I can look in that mirror and fix my lipstick and say, fuck them, because David Chase wanted me. And know that I was fucking worth something right from the get-go. And that's how I felt. He gave me confidence. He gave me my life. He birthed me into this industry. And it always moved me. I'll start to cry again. It'll, it fucking moved me. The way, he, um, the way he took care of that character and... and, and, and treated me for play, the approving of the way I was playing her and trusting me.
1: You know, I gotta be honest with you, one of the coolest things about this project that I'm doing is I've sat face to face with so many people that were a part of the show, and there are certain questions that really are rhetorical, like I, you can't really answer or articulate it, but just being able to look into your eyes and to <laughs> see the feeling is <laughs> you know? fucking awesome. It's really great. Oh my And again, God. this is a show, I wanna emphasize again, it was 20 years ago when the pilot aired, the finale is now almost 13 years away, and literally everybody that I've spoken to, it has either been the greatest or one of the greatest things in their whole entire life. It was, the greatest, it was the
0: greatest thing in my life, aside from my children.
1: Why do you think people still obsess about this show unlike anything else? I think it's safe to say, no disrespect to any of the other projects you've been a part of, in 20 years after that project starts, some guy that needs to shave and has a hat on is not going to come here and ask you questions about it. Is that a fair statement?
0: Yes, a hundred percent.
1: What the fuck is it about The Sopranos that makes it so enduring? In your well,
0: mind? first of all, I think you know that David took all these risks with the kind of actors he chose instead of going run-of-the-mill, straightforward actors. I mean, I remember they wanted you know like a handsome guy to play the main guy instead of turning this icon. He, we made, they made an icon out of Jim, you know. Um the biggest thing for me always was this because the question used to always be in interviews why did why is the show so successful and my answer always was because it appeals to so many different audiences on so many different levels you have the sort of Amen y- You know what I mean? You have you have people who only care about a mafia show, a less educated sort of scope on the show. I love a mafia show. I want to fucking gunshots. this, that the other thing they love the humor? Then you have people who understand it as a family show. Then you have people who understand it on an intellectual level as a literary piece. Then you have people who understand it. You know, um, people love the fact that it's that it's pushing all these all these boundaries. So there's there's something for every single audience out there. People that didn't, like, when my dad was watching Sons of Anarchy, he didn't relate to it because he can't relate to... to, um, Motorcycle clubs. To motorcycle clubs. But if he really would have paid attention to the themes and things, but he couldn't get past that. The mafia thing, everybody wants to watch it. So you have that as the backdrop. Right. You have all the gunshots. Low-hanging fruit. But it wasn't even really. But how deep he goes with it. it How deep he goes. And then how it becomes a critic's darling. All of a sudden, you have anybody and everybody grasping onto it to watch it. You know what I mean? But I always felt like that, that it had something for everybody.
1: Beautifully stated. I've been told you're a huge Rocky fan, as am I. Favorite Rocky movie, and why?
0: Of the OG. I mean, come on! Fucking Adrian. People <laughs> fucking hate
1: on it, man. What? They, my, my, my six-year-old. I finally he's watched one through five. I know it's a little. Some some moms roll their eyes when I tell my, my wife is included. That's amazing. I but want to show
0: my son. I'm ready.
1: All about Rocky. How old's your son?
0: He's eight. Oh, he's ready! Yeah, yeah, yeah! Totally, oh my gosh!
1: Totally, uh, he went to his class, and the kids in the kindergarten were like, "Everybody, name your favorite song." He said his favorite song is "Hearts on Fire," which is amazing. the Rocky Four Training montage song. I, can't. I was the proudest fucking parent in the room. <laughs> that's amazing! But everybody was looking at me like, "Your kid's uh, watching Rocky." I'm like, "Fuck yeah, he's watching Rocky." So, yeah. your favorite Are you Italian? one? Is- I'm not Italian. 100 percent okay. Indian.
0: Oh, oh, that's even cooler.
1: Um, which actually, in the beginning, was kind of funny that there's a. Indian guy doing a Sopranos retrospective Oh, podcast, I'm making, that makes
0: the most sense for me, by the way, because you know the only place I want to go right now is India.
1: It's an amazing place. I haven't been in years, but the, the relatability factor, the reason why it resonates with a lot of Indians, there's 1.5 billion... Indians love it? The Indians love it. And I, I had no idea, just I learned by virtue of the podcast. It is because of this family dynamic. So what's your least favorite Rocky movie?
0: I would say, I mean, one of these later ones that are recent.
1: Have you seen the new ones? Have you seen Creed?
0: Yeah, I'm talking about those. Okay. I haven't seen Creed yet. I no. haven't. I, I'm off. I'm off the train. Uh, I need to get back. But you know what? I I liked the the one. What was the one where he first comes back? What's the first?
1: Rocky Balboa when he comes back and he fights like. I he, liked that one. He, I liked it too. I loved it. All the yeah. all the little Easter eggs from the bygone yeah, era. Totally. All it was basically a uh, nostalgia show.
0: Yeah, I mean maybe the Mr. T one was it? That, that was three. So which and which was the Dolph Lundgren?
1: That was four. Drago.
0: See, I think maybe it was three that might have been my least favorite. Okay. I'm not sure.
1: Um, I saw you with the swag, so I had to ask the question. Oh, they send me everything. I in. love it. Christopher or Jax?
0: Christopher. No
1: fucking brainer, right?
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Last good book you read?
0: Oh, God, what am I reading? Well, right now I'm, I'm reading a book called Figuring. What's that about? It's uh, in the beginning of it still, and it's, it sounds self-helpy. No, no, it's not, but it's, it's all over the place. Okay. I can't, I even gonna, it'll take me too long to explain.
1: Favorite music growing up?
0: <sighs> Rock and roll, man. But I went through every musical genre, every. I love rap, I love jazz, I love every goddamn music, musical genre there is.
1: Favorite music right now? What are you listening to in the Rock. car for the past week? Name a band, name a song. I've been listening to
0: this band, All Them Witches, because I, I just did their m- music video.
1: Okay. What are you working on right now? What's on your plate?
0: Um, I have not been acting as much this last year. I've been focusing on building a brand with a partner of mine. So we are in the midst of... Uh, we, Clothing or... Um, no, it's in the beverage, beverage okay. world and then working on a, a platform.
1: Do you want to announce anything or is it still...
0: It's so early still. Okay. I mean, the, the drink is a health drink um, and it's amazing and it would be a first to market sort of idea. Um, it was originally alcohol. We've now backed off from the alcohol because it's so difficult and it's so mafia.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: we're sticking in, it's going to be a par, par partial mixer, but mostly a, a beverage. But um, yeah, we're just trying to build a, a business at this point in the health world.
1: Drea, thank you for inviting me to your home indulging my questions. Hope they weren't too ridiculous and being a part of this project means a lot.
0: Right on, man. I'm happy that I could do it. Thank you so much. But shit, you're right down here. If you ever want me to do it again, I'll do it again. Now that, well, now that, we've, now that we broke the chair, What I would like
1: to do, if you're down, is Michael, he's gonna come back and do a part two. It would be awesome and if we do the, it together. yeah. Let's would you do be down it. for that? Yes. Okay, that would be special. Because then we can actually just talk about other shit outside of Sopranos and just like life stuff. Let's make that happen. Hold on. I would
0: love to do that.